0: Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 1 through to verse 25. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not out of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and the glory is like the flowers, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Open your Bibles to one Peter, and we'll pray and we'll have a, a look at this incredible um, passage. Father, we thank you that we do have your word and how we long for it to echo in our hearts. How we long to understand its depth how do we long to uh, see lord with our hearts what it really tells us thank you that you've given us so much in your son and we do pray that we may uh, look at him today again afresh and new and that you may in the light of the world that we live in we may see the hope that we have in him and we pray this in jesus name amen I've given you there some um, a couple of uh, quotes. Um, the first one there in your outline is: "Life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by a lack of meaning and purpose." It's quite an incredible statement in one sense. Uh, if some of you don't know, Viktor Frankl was uh, in uh, the Nazi concentration camps. Uh, he was a psychiatrist and a, a psychologist, and he observed people, and he observed. Uh, which people lived and made it and which didn't. Um, as he was sitting there himself going through it, uh, he thought he might as well uh, use the time and uh, observe people, which is quite fascinating, which I take it is as probably what, he's, um, what he was doing. So his purpose and his meaning came from looking at how other people reacted to their circumstances, and he developed uh, this whole theory, and I don't want to get into it. He calls it logothe- uh, logotherapy, logos, meaning uh, God, Uh, purpose, uh, all of those words are kind of caught up in his understanding, and he recognized that the human heart has got incredible capacity to find hope and overcome enormous obstacles. So it's quite an incredible statement coming from him, Uh, Nietzsche uh, made the same statement, some of you may know Nietzsche, he was one of the greatest uh, atheists uh, who ever lived, Uh, those who have a why to live for can bear almost with any how very similar statement. Uh, And he's fascinating. And I don't want to get into Nietzsche too much, but he's an incredibly interesting guy. He decided that he will live every day uh, with his purpose was to not believe that God existed. And he lived for quite long because his purpose was to prove to everybody else around him that God doesn't exist. So in the midst of life that was his goal. And he lived uh, quite an extraordinary life and wrote some incredible stuff. Um, That was his hope, that he will win over more people, proving to them that God doesn't exist. And he overcame a whole lot of obstacles in his life with that kind of, it's weird, isn't it? Hope is powerful. When you have hope, it changes things. Yeah, his hope was to prove to people God doesn't exist. And he lived quite an extraordinary life. Hope is really a weird thing, even when you hope that God doesn't exist. Then again, uh, Viktor Frankl said, when we are no longer able to change the situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Ultimately, man should not ask what is the meaning of life or what the meaning of life is, but rather he must recognize that it is of him who is asked, what is your meaning? Interesting. So he doesn't believe life has got meaning, but you must make your own meaning in that moment Some of you who know philosophy, that's what you call existentialism. What makes you feel alive in a given situation? What are you prepared to live for in a given situation? That hope actually will make you live. Really interesting stuff. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Really incredible stuff if you start to play with this a little bit. You almost need to read this stuff like you read the Bible. You've got to read it and then sit with it and let it kind of sink in. So here you find that uh, in the human search for meaning, he kind of picks up on all these incredible realities that hope does actually drive you. If you lose hope for whatever reason, then you want to give up. Then you want to die, isn't it? Then you want to destroy Uh, You're destructive to yourself, and you're destructive to people around you. And uh, the human heart needs hope. But what I find so fascinating is that uh, this hope is hope for the moment that he was advocating. Hope in the moment um, that he's advocating, and yet it's so powerful it does make people live. So hope is incredibly powerful. I hope that I've made the point. I'm not talking about what your hope is. I'm just talking about the reality of hope that the human heart is designed to live with hope. If you get up every Monday morning to go and work and you don't believe it's going to make any difference, try that. Try to get up every morning and say, what I'm going to do today doesn't make any difference it at all. And we'll see how many times you'll be able to get up. Um, and so people are trying to find hope in all sorts of things because without hope, the human soul shrivels up. And it actually dies. But then you have something quite on the other side. Uh, this is Dante Alighieri in his book uh, Inferno. Uh, above the gateway to death and hell, he's written, Abandon all hope, ye-, ye that enter here. I guess that's why it's called hell, isn't it? Because there's no hope, there's no life. So that's quite a fascinating thing. That on the one hand we can create our own hopes, hope for our kids. Why do I get up? I hope that my kids will turn out okay. That's a hope we live for. It's powerful to motivate you to do all, sacrifice, give up a whole lot of things because my kids. I hope that my kids are going to have a better than me. Hope. Hope that in this moment I will find something to live for. It's a fascinating thing. So you know it's April Fool's Day today, first of April. I take it the Resurrection Sunday on April Fool. I wonder who's the, who's the fool. God is actually in one sense saying that the truth is far more desperate than what uh, Nietzsche and uh, Viktor Frankl has picked up, and it is far more hopeful than what Dante Alighieri actually mentions. The truth is far more desperate than being able to find a reason to exist because in the end, the three quotes that uh, we have there from Frankel and Nietzsche and then Frankel again, the one thing you cannot change is death. No matter how positive you are, no matter how powerful you are, and we've mentioned that so many times, no matter how you're going to change your mind, death is coming to all of us. In our passage, you will note that it says there, um, the hope that we have is an hope into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The reality is, is that everything in this jolly life spoils, perishes, and fades. That needs to sink into us, isn't it? No matter what you do, No matter how brilliant you are, in the end of the day, everything perishes and it spoils and it fades. Everything you live for in one sense uh, will undergo that or you will undergo that. One of the two. And ultimately both. And that's kind of desperate, isn't it? So I don't want to do that. I don't want to go down that road. I do want to say, well, I'm still alive, and so I can find meaning in life. And I take it that is part of what the human spirit is able to do. It's incredible. The human is able to do that. And yet, I take it you have to do that because you're not looking at this basic reality, that everything in this life is going to perish, spoil, or fade. But on the other hand, it is so much more hopeful what we have in Christ Jesus because he's the one who's changed all of that reality. Through his life and through his death and through his resurrection. We actually, as we look at, so look, pick it up then, chapter 1 and verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. This is so weird. This is so out there. We have a living hope. So, just very quickly. In our world, I've just said, we've got hope-sos. I mean, who would have hoped that the Bulls would actually win yesterday's game against the Stormers? I mean, you know, they hoped so, and it happened. That's great, isn't it? That's a hope-so. We don't know if it's going to happen, but we hope so. And so, that kind of thing. I heard the other quote. It's quite a good quote. It says, today... It's too bad a day to quit. That's a positive mindset, isn't it? (laughs) Today is too bad a day to quit, to give up on life. So we'll work for a better day, and then we'll quit. You, you, You quit when you're ahead, isn't it? That's what the old sportsman says. You quit when you're at the top of the end. You don't wait until everything comes crashing down and then you quit because it's too bad a day to quit. So the world has got a very positive mindset and it's good to have that positive mindset. In one sense, I take it, it's because we know life is so much more than what we have currently that we are seeking grounds for hope. That is, I take it, what sets us apart from all the other creatures God has made is that we have this great hope This great expectation that whatever we do, things are going to get better. Something good is going to come. That's the hope so that the world has. But it's very uncertain, isn't it? Well, here we have this great hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It's all based on him. That's what's so weird. This is not based on my ability. This is not based on my imagination. This is not based on how I can conjure up stories for myself. This is based in a person, Jesus Christ. The hope of the Christian is based on an historical person, Jesus Christ, who came into this world and said, you know, I came into this world to die, and he died. And then he said, you know what, death is not going to hold me, and it didn't, and he rose again. That is the hope that we have. The facts of the story, in one sense. Whether I believe it or not doesn't change those facts. I can conjure up hope by my imagination, but that is always open-ended. Here, it simply says, here, this person, Jesus Christ, came into this world, and he lived and he died, as he said, and he was resurrected, as he said. Those are the facts of our hope. It is in Christ and on him. Now it's certain that that has happened, because it happened once. Now we have hope that it will happen again to us. But there's the first ground is that everything actually comes uh, to, to us in and through Christ Jesus. Incredible. The simple reality that it did happen. We don't have to try and make it something. It's, there it is. So how does this hope actually arise in our hearts, I take it? Now, it tells us. Look at again, again, verse, verse 3 in his great mercy, has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So our hope is connected to resurrection. But if you flip your page right over to the other side, to verse 23, it says, For we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So here's an event that happened. Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again. And then you have the message about that event that we call the gospel, the story that has been telling us. So the way in which I get hope is that I've got to know the facts, but I've got to have the story about the facts. Those things are very tightly connected to one. It's actually, again, so obvious that it's weird how we stumble over that. Without us being told this happened, we would not know that it happened. But if the story was just told that it did happen and it didn't happen, it doesn't matter how often you hear it, it wouldn't make any difference. So if the the, 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 the uh, Jews and the Romans could produce Jesus' body. Then it doesn't matter if the disciples believed that he was resurrected. Because it didn't happen. They have the evidence. Which is really weird. Is that none of the guys actually believed that he was going to be resurrected. And when he was, that changed everything. Suddenly they had a message that they want to go and share. You know what? The weirdest thing have happened, it's never happened before. This guy lived and died and he rose again. And he appeared to us. We were devastated. I take it that's the difficulty for us today. So hard for us to experience Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Because, I mean, most of us know he died and he rose again. So, you know, we've got to go through the motions. But just think about those early disciples. They saw Jesus, they walked with him, they heard him, and then he died. And they actually say in one of these conversations, we have hoped that he was going to be the one who was going to change everything. And now he's dead. So even though Jesus told them he was going to rise, they did not get it. They thought he was going to rise politically, or he was going to rise uh, some other way. He was going to go through a difficult time, and then he was going to rise in the other end. And when he did rise, they were just completely dumbfounded, and they ran around telling everybody else around them that this message is a fact. Now, I take it, that's very hard for us, because we are living such a distance from it, and we have had no real understanding of that downer when Jesus Christ died. Here's the man we all looked up to, loved, cared for. He had everything, and suddenly he's gone, and then, wow, he's there. That kind of a weird experience. So that's how hope actually comes. Hope comes by listening to the story. Now, here's very interesting. We've started this morning. You are telling yourself multiple stories every day. Did you know that? If you could get a little recorder in your head, to record what you are telling yourself every day, it will be fascinating to discover that. You tell yourself that you be, you are someone and there's something wrong with this world, something wrong with me, maybe something wrong with other people, that I'm telling myself. Somewhere I'm telling myself, if only we could do this or that or that or not do that or stop doing that or start doing that, then we will have a better deal a better life so i want to encourage you to learn to listen me be careful let me put it differently learn to become aware of what story you are telling yourself what are you telling yourself what are you who are you who are you why are you here what are you doing here Are you who you think you should be? Are you who you hope to be? What are you telling yourself? What I'm telling myself about that most most basic reality? And if the answer is no, I am not quite what I hope, expect, long for, desire to be, then why aren't you not that? What's, What's stopping that from happening? Can you explain to yourself why you th- what do you think is the problem I mean that's why we go to the doctor isn't it because we don't know so like poor Ian, some of you didn't know he ended up in hospital last night suddenly feeling very painful stomach starting to cough blood don't know what it is so well he's back yet this morning isn't it great? that's why you go to the doctor you see something is wrong something is not working you're not supposed to blood is not supposed to come out of your mouth when you cough. I mean, isn't it? So something is wrong, so I've got to find, somebody must be able to tell me what is going on, so I'm trying to find the explanation of what's going on so that I could possibly change that, because it should not be like that. And that's what he's saying here. We are telling ourselves stories all the time about who we think we are, what we think is wrong, what we hope can change this. Who's going to change this? Can I change it? Must you just change a little bit more? Then we can change the situation. You know, it's amazing how we actually work with this and then what we hope will happen right at the end. What is the goal that we are really looking for? What is it that we really crave? And that's why the gospel and the message about Jesus Christ is so devastating on the one hand and yet so marvelous on the other hand. It first dashes all our hopes and expectations, doesn't it? Because it tells us life is broken. Life will perish, fade, and spoil. It it goes there, and it does it on both sides, as you note that. It starts with that in verse 3, and it ends in verses 23 to 25. So says exactly the same thing. And this is the message you must tell yourself. Tell yourself the message... That no matter what you dream, you cannot change that reality. There's only one who can change that reality. And that is Jesus Christ. The same word that tells us to dash all our hopes in it is the same word that tells us where that hope is to be found. Because God wants to set us free from all the wrong ends. You see how this works? So when you have the credible story, when you believe the story, when you hear it, when it's true... Then suddenly there creates inside of you hope. But it seems like Peter is going out of his way. Now remember, Peter's writing to people who experience life as we experience it. Life is not quite what it should be. The government isn't very fantastic. Marriage is not always that great. Uh, work is really painful and unfair and you know you work and people don't pay you or you you work like and this is happening life i mean life is what we have it and he's saying i want to encourage you to live and so i'm going to give you hope because hope actually changes everything but the hope that he gives is his first dashes everything else isn't it so how often do you dash your own hopes by telling yourself the truth And then you have a foundation to build upon. To build upon, not in anything you can do, or anything you expect somebody else to do, or any institution to do, but your hope lies only in this living and enduring Word of God, which is reflected in exactly what we are worshipping today. Today we see that Christ, who is the Word of God, is the only one who lives. He's been raised from the dead, and he endures. And he's the only one that have conquered everything in this world. And that's why we've got this incredible hope. But the hope is in him, isn't it? The hope is not in myself, but actually only in him. And that's how hope arises. So I want to encourage you to listen to yourself, but also to listen to what other people are saying. What stories do you hear through the movies? What stories do you hear through political discourse? What stories do you hear through the economists of our world? What are they telling us? If only we do this, we change the fiscal year, and we change this year, and then then there's hope. And there's a lot of that stuff that is happening, and yet you've got to ask yourself, is that enough for me to find the strength to really live with that story? Does that story have the capacity to carry me through life? Is it powerful enough, in other words, to carry me through life? And that's really what we come to the last question here. How is this hope powerful? Coming back to yourself again. What makes you you? If you're trying to figure out who you are, very simple. What makes you an individual? What makes you a human On the one hand, all humans are alike. All humans have desires, and all humans have longings. All humans have expectations. All humans can operate in the context of hope. Those are all the things that humans have. But what makes you individually you is how you put your hopes and desires and expectations together, isn't it? So you see how interesting it is. What you hope for is what is fired by your desires... You trust that that would be true, and so you start to act it out. Let me just show you. Go to chapter 1 and verse 13 to 15. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Do you note verse verse 14? As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. When you lived in the understanding that you can create your own life, when you were ignorant of the gospel, ignorant of the reality that no matter how hard you work, how long you live, in the end you're going to die. And that there's no way out of it when you were ignorant you were driven by the desires for this world you'd really believe that this world will satisfy you so you were going for it you were trying to pull it off and trying to figure it out he says but the wonderful thing is is that this hope in christ gives you new birth into new desires so now you are changing so go back there to verse three again where he says, in his, in his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then again in verse 23, as we've already noticed. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. So as Christ, the word about Christ that is alive and endures, as that word comes to you, it actually gives you something else to hope in. That causes you to change your nature and your desires. So that's why you can only go to him, isn't it? So that you may have the power to now live in the light of that new story. Because that changes everything inside of you. The desires are no longer to be satisfied here, but the desires are to be satisfied with Christ. And therefore, he who called you is holy, you aim for holiness. And holiness in 1 Peter has got very weird. I don't know if you've ever done a study in holiness. Holiness in Peter is wholeness, as we would say it. Set-apartness. But set-apartness in what way? And he tells us, so pick it up there in verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, there it is, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. The evidence that your hope is in Christ Jesus is that you trust that story and that shows itself in your heart loving love. See how weird this is? How that new creation shows itself. Exactly how that new creation works, I don't know if anybody has been able to work it out. What exactly happens inside there, I don't know, but it's clear when it happened. It's like Jesus says, we don't know where the spirit is. We can't command him, but we can see his effect, just like the wind. We don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. But we can see the effect of the wind. And so exactly it is with the spirit. How do I know that I have this new hope? Is it shows actually in my heart by loving. Like God has loved us in Christ Jesus. That's weird, isn't it? It's so powerful that now you love you don't need. You give you don't need to receive because that fundamental story of your heart has been changed. And that's what he's driving. That's the power of hope, the hope of the gospel, that your reaction to life is one of love, which in Peter, again, very weirdly, is not the the way our world sees love. Our world sees, oh, you love me, you make me feel good about myself, and it's so nice and comfortable with you. Now, I hope that happens as well. But the love he talks about here, very weird word. Fundamentally in Peter, love for one another is expressed in submission to one another. Eh. And submission means I come with all the gifts, all the wisdom, all the energy that God has given me. I come and I willingly, gladly Come in under you and I push you up. That's what the word means hypotasso. Like a, the jetty's pillars. It comes in under the jetty and it pushes the jetty up. That's what he's using here. Love that is based on the hope of the gospel actually comes in under others and push them up, enable them to flourish. Enable them to live. Enable to tell them the truth. To set their hearts free from false stories and false hopes and false behaviors that this world can somehow satisfy what God has made you to be as an image bearer of him. Isn't that the weirdest thing? You read Peter's, a very, very amazing book. Real hope. You will know if you are in real hope when you actually, willingly, come in under others and yeah, he talks about all of the others. It's government and marriages and work and people who reject you, socially uh, have think you're weird and odd. All of those kind of people are covered. Even Christians have to learn to love one another. Isn't that an incredible hope we have? The hope is not just one day when we die we will be with Jesus in paradise. Definitely that. Now I'm starting to experience this incredible joy that I don't need and I don't expect anything from anybody. But not in a self-righteous way, but in a deep-seated heart way, I'm now free to offer what I have to build you up, to support you, to encourage you, to walk with you, to cry with you, to laugh with you, To point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? That's the hope. That's the power of the hope of the gospel. Now, just ask yourself, if this kind of sequence of events, real hope, so here's a funny thing in in the text. Maybe I'll just show you quickly. Just go down to, there's a lot of stuff we left out. But just pick it up there in verse 8 of chapter 1. I want to show you just the interconnectedness Of this whole thing. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, that is Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Verse 9, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Love, faith, and hope. Can you see that in those verses? But notice, interestingly, hope drives faith, which expresses itself in love. It goes actually the other way around. Real hope gives real trust. I can entrust myself to this, which actually brings about love. So when I lose hope, I will lose faith and I will lose love. So when I find I'm not loving and I'm not serving and I'm not coming in under others, then I must know my faith is somewhere in another story because my hope is not in Christ Jesus. It is in something else. You see how it works? So I've got to change my hope. I've got to clarify my hope in Christ to clarify my faith so that I may experience the love that is going on. And there's the incredible thing that I want to get you all excited about. Our salvation is so immense that it changes eternity, and sometimes that is great, isn't it? But I would really love it also to change reality now. Don't you? A little bit of this reality that comes to me. So every time I find I don't love, it's because I have lost faith in Jesus Christ. And the reason is because I have lost the hope and the certainty. Of his coming again and that everything has been secured for me through his resurrection then i lose energy and i lose motive and i just go through the motions that's why it's so important for us when we encourage one another to keep on talking about this enorm- enormous hope that we have as christians is that do not sell yourself short on experiencing your salvation The joy of your salvation lies in loving people based on the faith that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. And that is based on the certainty that everything he says comes true. I die for your sin. I'm raised for you for life. There's the interesting reality. So let us encourage one another to study the hope that we live by from moment to moment. Capture your hope. Identify your hope. When your hope is not Christ, you'll find your faith is not in Christ. You'll find your love will not be like Christ's. And Christ has come, and he has submitted himself to sin for us. He submitted himself to death for us. There's the incredible reality that we see, that he's come to love us. He has come to save us. He has come to bear us up and we can experience a little bit of that as we come to him so may i encourage you to go and wrestle with this because it's not that straightforward is it that hope produces faith which produces love that is the christian fullness that we can have even now as we wait for the kingdom of god to come so verse 13 is my last encouragement to you therefore prepare your minds for war. That's really what he's saying. You will find that in this life, there will be a lot of stories that will be at war with this gospel story. All other stories are in one sense at war with this story. Because all other stories are expecting something from ourselves or something from somebody else. This is the only story that says it's done in Christ Jesus and in him alone. So you'll find that every other story will not go down this line. So you've got to prepare yourself. That when you walk out here, you're going to come back to that story of yours. That you've told yourself, maybe as a kid, maybe as a grown-up, whatever it is, So be at war. And then he says, be self-controlled. Control that inner self that is looking for life now. And set your hope, here comes those words, fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. If it only said, put your hope on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed, I could handle it. It's the word fully that gets to me. Isn't it? And yet, when it does happen it sets you free because nothing can separate you from the love of god in christ jesus nothing no frustration no pain no sickness not even death there's the great glory of our lord jesus resurrection and how that impacts eternity but also today may you experience joy as you clarify your hope, what are you hoping for? What is your hope? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that hope is incredibly powerful. Even when our hope is confused, it still is powerful. How much more powerful is the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? But we have to admit, Lord, that in our hearts there are many stories that we've told ourselves and we hear around us and we see on Facebook and we see in movies and we see in advertising that tells us there's other ways in which you can find life. There's more fullness of life to be had this side. And your word keeps on telling us that the reality is is that there's no hope outside of Christ Jesus. Every other hope will fade, perish, or spoil. Every other hope is like grass that is up now and flourishes for a short while, and then it is scorched and it dies. Lord, it's so hard to live in that reality. But we thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you that you've given us your spirit. We thank you that you've given us one another. So that in that reality we can fight, we can be at war. With ourselves and with the society around us that tries and keeps on telling us that there's another way in which you could have life we thank you that in jesus christ we have the sure way of life life both now and for all eternity and for that we praise you for that we thank you and for that lord we bow before you and ask that you will forgive us for how easily we miss this and yet you're giving us today again the day of hope The day when Christ Jesus can set us free from our fear, free from our selfishness, free from the false things we believe. Today, you say, when we hear your voice, we shouldn't harden our hearts, but come to you. So we come, Lord, here we are. Weak, confused, uncertain, and so many things help us to grow in our certainty of both the fact that in this world everything dies and that only Christ has conquered it. And we pray this in your name. Amen.